Welcome, everyone, to the Predictably Treacherous Podcast. Today's episode is The Most Crucial Game, starring Robert Culp in his second Columbo appearance, and Dean Stockwell. Um, this is episode three of season two. This episode was directed by Jeremy Kagan and written by John T. Dugan. The original air date was April 5th, 1972, and the runtime, 73 minutes. Let's get right to the episode summary. Paul Hanlon is the general manager of a Los Angeles professional football franchise. The new franchise owner is layabout Eric Wagner, son of the deceased former owner, in an attempt to carry out the wishes of his previous boss to create a sports empire, Hanlon murders the younger Wagner who stands in his way. The Murder L.A. Coliseum, Football Sunday. Paul Hanlon arrives at the owner's box. He's there alone, except for the young attendant. Paul tells the attendant that he won't need him today and suggests that he find an empty seat so he can watch the game. So after the attendant leaves, Paul calls Eric Wagner at home. Eric's still in bed. He's hungover. Hanlon tells him to sober up because they'll be flying to Canada to look at acquiring a hockey franchise, but Eric's not interested. So Hanlon reminds Eric and the audience that it was his father's wish to have the biggest sports empire in the world. He tells Eric to go down to the pool and swim some laps, and he'll pick him up on the way to the airport. They hang up. So then Hanlon calls Coach Rizzo in the locker room. He says a, a bunch of things that irritate Rizzo, put these players in, run a particular type of offense. Then he tells Rizzo to come and see him at halftime, and they hang up. So Hanlon then gets dressed in a dingling ice cream outfit, and he exits the stadium while the national anthem is being played so as not to be noticed. He leaves the stadium in a dingling truck, while driving, he turns on the radio. The game has just started, but it's not going well. So Hanlon stops the truck and calls Eric from a phone booth at the side of the street. But the line is busy because Eric is ordering liquor from the liquor delivery service. So Hanlon waits and then he calls back. And Eric picks up this time. And Hanlon says that he will pick him up again on the way to the airport to save Eric having to drive. He asks Eric if he's in the pool yet. He needs Eric to be in the pool when he arrives. Eric tells Hanlon to pick him up at 5.30 and they hang up. So Hanlon's about to get uh, in the truck and drive away when this little girl approaches the truck and asks for an ice cream. Hanlon just ignores her and drives off. He arrives at Eric's home. He grabs a brick-sized chunk of ice from the cooler in the truck and walks over to the pool where Eric is swimming. Eric starts to get out of the pool to ask Hanlon what he's doing in the silly outfit, and Hanlon clobbers him with the ice. Eric falls into the pool face down. Hanlon notices that he left some shoe prints beside the pool, so he uses the hose to literally cover his tracks before he leaves. 
Now, there's a great shot of Hanlon driving the ice cream truck back to the stadium. He's looking carefree. He's eating an ice cream while he drives. At halftime, Rizzo enters the box. Hanlon has just gotten back and changed. I guess no one saw him walking back to the box in a dingling ice cream uniform, even without the benefit of the national anthem. Hanlon tells Rizzo that no one is answering the field phone and that he's been trying to reach him. And Rizzo says, I know, then gets into an explanation of what he's going to do in the second half. And Hanlon changes his tune totally. He tells him to forget what he said this morning and just go with what they agreed on the previous night, that Rizzo runs the team and Hanlon's a general manager. Hanlon says that he has bigger fish to fry right now and he realizes that he can't do everyone's job. So Rizzo leaves, and then Hanlon makes a scowl and grits his teeth for some weird reason. You know, I'm not really sure what his motivation is. Does he share Eric's father's dream of the largest sports empire in the world? Does he just want to honor Eric's father's dream? He says he has bigger fish to fry. What does that mean? Didn't he just fry the big fish by killing Eric? Are the fish sports franchises? Why is he so angry all the time that he has to gnash his teeth? And for that matter, why isn't Nash pronounced Ganache? The Columbo Intro The next scene shows Columbo sitting in his car listening to the football game. He's parked at the crime scene. A uniformed cop tells him that the coroner is waiting for him to okay the removal of the body. The uniformed cop tells Columbo that a liquor store delivery boy found Eric face down in the pool. He yelled for help for a neighbor and they attempted to revive him but couldn't. They called the police. Columbo is trying to listen to the game. Columbo and the cop walk over to the scene. The coroner wants to split. He tries to get Columbo to release the body so that he can leave, and he tells Columbo that he has guests waiting at home for dinner. Oh, boy. Columbo says, not so fast. He wants to know some details, but he's barely listening to the corner because some random guy is sitting at a desk chair listening to the game. Never seen Columbo show any interest in football previously. He solves murders every Sunday afternoon. Never heard him mention football before can't tear himself away from the game at this time of course the coroner thinks it's an accident uh he slipped on a diving board hit his head and drowned does that actually happen to anybody has anybody ever slipped on a diving board hit their head on it and then drown in the pool well what do i know probably happens all the time so colombo confirms with the coroner that he's going to perform an autopsy and he lets him leave with the body Columbo has a walk around, he tastes the water on the deck, and steps into the pool to taste the water there. He gets a giant soaker, because he, he literally steps right into the pool up to about his knees. Um, and this is going to become a running joke in the episode. Not, not very funny, but... So another cop comes over, and he tells Columbo that the body was Eric Wagner, son of the former owner of the football team. And this brightens his day, and he gets very excited. He tells the cop to make sure that they get pictures all around the pool and inside the house. Then he heads over to the stadium. The he-knows scene. 
Columbo emerges from the elevator outside the press box at the stadium with a soaker and a rolled-up pant leg. He walks up the stairs to the owner's box and enters it. Hanlon doesn't ask who he is right away, but tells him it's a private box, and then turns around as if he's expecting the stranger to mill about and leave at his own leisure after a few moments. Columbo breaks the news about Eric's death. Hanlon seems shocked, but then he volunteers that he just spoke with Eric, and they spoke again, and they were supposed to go to Montreal that night, and Eric was by the pool, alone. Oh boy, Hanlon just shut up. I'm afraid I have some bad news for you, Mr. Hanlon, and since we can't locate Mrs. Wagner... Well, Eric Wagner was found dead a little while ago in the swimming pool. Eric? Sorry, sir. Oh, no, no. Ugh. I just talked to him. You did? Yeah, well, a couple of hours ago, I guess. I called him from here before the game. And I called him again a little time later. <laughs> supposed to fly to Montreal tonight, 6.30. Well, I don't get this one. Eric was by the pool. He was alone, as far as I could tell. So after Hanlon says he'll contact Eric's wife, Shirley, Columbo starts in on the questions, the way that he always questions his main suspect. Let's listen. Don't worry, sir. I won't bother with any questions just yet. Nor you either, for that matter. What questions? Oh, well, it looked like Mr. Wagner had some kind of a party out there last night. I don't think that's any concern of yours, Lieutenant, any more than it is mine. Now, you've done your duty. That's enough, isn't it? Well, I did kind of wonder about the pool service. By any chance, you don't happen to know whether they come to the Wagner house on Sundays. I don't know of any pool service that works on Sunday at all. Why? Oh, there was just this water around the pool decking. Well, that's normal for there to be water around a pool, isn't it? Yes, sir. But not fresh water, no chlorine in it. So, his death was an accident. There must be some simple explanation. Well, that's why I said it looked like an accident, sir, because if someone had used a hose around there, like to maybe hide something or make it look like Mr. Wagner was diving, well, that's my problem, sir. I sure don't want to bother you with that now. So in that clip, Columbo tells Hanlon about the fresh water around the pool, the water without the chlorine, and he asks about the pool service, and when he does this, Hanlon switches off the radio completely and Columbo perks right up. And the episode music kind of comes on like the, mm-hmm, like what's going on music. And um, Columbo kind of give, gives Hanlon a look. And I think that's the moment. So that's kind of the moment that we know that Columbo knows. So in the next scene... Columbo is in the players' locker room looking for Coach Rizzo. He tells Coach Rizzo that Eric drowned, and Columbo tells Rizzo that he has seen Eric's name appear in tabloids in the past. He asks if there was any truth to the stories. So Rizzo tells uh, Columbo that Eric liked to party. I like to party. My name's Eric, and I like to party. And he was a swinger type. A swinger type. I don't think he means the way it's, that term's used these days. Uh, but it was harmless. 
They begin talking about Paul Hanlon. Rizzo tells Colombo that Hanlon is a jerk and that he chewed out Rizzo before the game, but when Rizzo went to see him at halftime, he was laissez-faire about everything. So Colombo's puzzled um, since they didn't perform well in the first half of the game and easing up at halftime doesn't seem consistent with his earlier behavior. If you look closely, this is great. Um, so Rizzo and Colombo are sitting on two benches in the locker room talking. And if you watch closely, you can see that the same couple of extras keep walking by in the background like two or three times while Rizzo and Colombo are having a conversation. It's brilliant. So the next scene is at Eric's home. There's a secretary answering phones and a lot of commotion, and she seems flustered. An attorney named Walter Canal shows up and says he was Eric's father's attorney and friend for 40 years, and he's Eric's attorney. And Columbo is there in the background. Hanlon enters, and Walter is upset that he had to learn about Eric's death on the news. Hanlon tells him it's not the time for the airing of grievances, that you do that during Festivus. A woman named Miss Bourgozzi is calling for Hanlon, and she's called before, but Hanlon says angrily that he has no time for calls today. The radio begins making this loud tonal sound that only Columbo seems to notice inexplicably, even though it's it's god-awful. Um, it, this happens when one of the phones is answered. So Columbo asks Hanlon if he can bring in a forensic team to go over the house tomorrow, and Hanlon okays it as he's walking out the door. But Columbo follows him. So now we're in LAX, like the Los Angeles airport. Columbo is wandering around looking for Hanlon, and Hanlon is in a phone booth talking, and he spots Columbo. He hangs up the phone, and he yells, Columbo, and asks why he's being followed. So Columbo tells him it's confusing because back at the house, he said that he didn't have time to talk on the phone, but he's making a phone call at the airport. And Hanlon says he was canceling his meeting in Montreal and that there's uh, he's there to meet Mrs. Wagner. So Columbo asks Hanlon if there may have been issues in the marriage. And Hanlon plays along and tells Columbo that Eric was like a baby and surely understood that, whatever that means. Columbo tells Hanlon that the autopsy came back negative. It's done already? It's been like 15 minutes. All right. Uh, negative meaning not dead. No, no, wait. Not not dead. It's just negative like it wasn't foul play. Okay. So Hanlon maintains that the death was accidental, but if it wasn't, it was probably some hippie girl. Columbo mentions that a ding-a-ling ice cream truck was spotted in the area around 2.30 p.m., but they don't have a route in that neighborhood. Route. Route. And that that's a loose end, and he has to tie that up. He also mentions that he will have to verify where Hanlon was during the game and that the phone records won't be able to do it. Hanlon says, that's not my problem. At night... Now we're at night. A burglar enters the Wagner home. He's actually there to remove the bug that was put on the Wagner phone from that tonal sound that Columbo heard earlier. Um, Columbo and a uniformed officer are sitting there in the house just waiting for him. So Columbo asks him who his employer is, but he won't give the answer. He's not really a burglar. He's actually like... Um, 
uh, a private investigator. I mean, he broke in like a burglar, but technically his profession is private investigator. Uh, so Columbo thinks that his employer is Hanlon, but it's not. The next scene, Columbo shows up at a basketball practice. Hanlon is there talking with some players that he intends to sign because he runs like a, you know, a basketball franchise too. Columbo tells Hanlon that it was Walter, uh, Walter Canal, who had the Hanlon home bugged, and he also bugged Hanlon's office. So the next scene, we're entering the Wagner home, and Hanlon is yelling at Walter Canal and threatening to report him to the bar for spying on his own client and to personally sue him for invasion of privacy. Walter has agreed to disclose all of the information collected over the last two weeks while the phones were bugged. Apparently that's, you know, hey, is that okay? Uh, <laughs> Before they go inside and listen to the calls, Columbo pulls Hanlon aside and tells him that he called the Dingaling Ice Cream Company and confirmed that they have a concession stand at the stadium and that this means that it's more important than ever that they find a way to substantiate Hanlon's alibi. Inside, they listen to the tapes. They've been listening to the tapes for three hours. Miss Wagner seems to be just about done. They get to a phone call that Hanlon made from the box during the first half of the game, and it sounds like Hanlon put Eric in touch with some girls. Walter points out as much, and Hanlon claims that the little chick referenced in the call uh, was a maid that he sent uh, to Eric to help clean the house, um, and I guess she had brought her sister anyways. Um, so Mrs. Wagner, she believes uh, Hanlon about this, and she tells Walter she thinks he's contemptible. Okay, and then the next phone call is Hanlon uh, in the truck, the dingling ice cream tr truck, claiming to be in the box. So this would seem to be the evidence required to substantiate Hanlon's alibi. So Columbo looks a little confounded. He still knows that Hanlon did it, but he can't immediately explain what's going on with the phone call. So now the burglar or the private investigator meets Columbo at a cafe by the harbor. It's so bizarre. They're at like this, the waterfront and it's like, you know, it's all dodgy. There's a couple guys fishing off the pier, but it looks like there'd be criminal activity there all the time. And they meet in like this little dive restaurant that's all dirty and doesn't have waiting staff. They just have the fat, sweaty guy in an apron who comes out to clean the tables. Um, and, you know, it looks like the kind of place where all you could really get is like chili and uh, or Colombo would just get chili or he'd get coffee. That's about it. Anyways, uh, not the point. Um, so Colombo has been listening to the phone call that would seem to substantiate Hanlon's alibi. He's listening for a noise that doesn't belong or something. He asked Dobbs, which is the private investigator, how the bugs got planted. And Dobbs says that an operative, Eve Babcock, was the secretary for three days before Hanlon fired her. And she bugged the phones. So Columbo visits Eve in her apartment. She mistakes him for a customer. Um, I guess she's an escort. Uh, she and Columbo are just about to sort out the mix-up when her real date shows up at her place and Columbo casually introduces himself. So the, he introduced himself as a cop. The date splits and Eve says she's going to call her lawyer and Columbo says it's not necessary. He's, you know, he's got the hand in the air. He's got his head down. It's not necessary. 
He says he already knows that she planted the bugs and he doesn't care and he wants her to put her appointment book away and he's not there to harm her. He says this, but I mean, he just broke her date, which is the way she earns her income. So I don't know if that's so true. Um, He wants to know from her, why was she fired after just three days? And Eve pretends that she doesn't know. So Columbo suggests that Hanlon saw her plant the bugs and offered her more money to keep quiet about it. And Eve gets upset and denies that this is the reason. And when she speaks quickly and she's upset, you can hear a little bit of an accent. And Columbo asks her if her real name is but Bugazi or something like that. And if she's Hungarian, he thinks she is the person who called uh, for Hanlon at the Wagner home the other day. And he leaves without an answer. She doesn't answer him on it. I'm investigating the death of Eric Wagner, and I just want to ask you a couple of questions. But why would you want to ask I me already about... know you planted the phone books for Mr. Dobbs. No, no. I'm not worried about that. This is what bothers me. Why were you fired from that job after only three days? Because... If you don't mind my noticing, you'd be an ornament in any office. Thank you, Lieutenant. Perhaps my typing was not good enough. Who knows? I thought maybe you got offered a better job. I really think you should go. Or maybe somebody offered you more money than Dodd's could. I mean, Mr. Hanlon, he doesn't miss much. And he sure wouldn't miss you. And I thought that maybe he noticed you planting those phone bugs and he bought you off. See, wait. Look, just stop this. Eric Wagner's death was an accident, right? Was it not? That's what all the newspapers have said. You have absolutely no right to come in here and start upsetting me, asking me questions, insinuating things, trying Ms. to connect Adcock, me with... you're perfectly right. I was getting way ahead of myself, and I know you want to get something neat, so I'm going to run along. Good night. Good night. You know, it just struck me... You know when you got upset there? Well, the tiniest little accent came out. And you know, I got a nephew who married a girl. She's got the same kind of accent. She's also very pretty. But she's Hungarian. Do you have another name besides Babcock? Something more Hungarian, like Rogozhi, Miss Rogozhi? Well, just a thought. Enjoy your meal. So you may recognize the voice of that actress. It's uh, Valerie Harper. So she had a successful show, Rhoda, in the 70s. She's quite sexy, actually. Um, So then it's off to the empty football stadium to sit in the stands and have some 70s detective thinking time. He sits there for a minute or two. He's looking around. I don't know. I don't know what the point of that scene was. So now we arrive at a travel agent's office. So Columbo is there because he wants to confirm if Hanlon bought tickets um, for Montreal last Sunday night. So while the agent is checking his books, Columbo listens to the game on the radio at the desk of another agent. He is yammering away to the disinterested agent about how something's missing when suddenly a cuckoo clock's cuckoo and Columbo realizes what has been missing all this time. All right, so now we're in the final scene. Hanlon is in the box watching the game. Columbo enters. Hanlon is impatient with him. Columbo asks Hanlon about Mrs. Babcock. He tells Hanlon that he thinks that he left for the airport to call Mrs. Babcock, 
back because he knows uh, that the phone lines were bugged. And if he knew that the phones were bugged, he knew that he could use the phones to set up the perfect alibi for the murder. So then Columbo plays the evidence that breaks the alibi. Let's listen to the clip. Here we go. Exactly 2.29. Just a minute or two before he was murdered. You know, I've listened to this thing, I can't tell you how many times, over and over again, figuring maybe I'd hear something that shouldn't be there. Some sound that shouldn't be there. An ambulance, a fire truck, like the door, and a phone booth, something. But you didn't because it isn't there. I made the call from this booth, from that phone. Then it suddenly I had it backwards. Maybe there was a sound that should be there. Like what? Something right in front. What kind of sound? Oh shh. So what was going on there is uh, when Columbo played the phone call back, he played at the exact same time that it happened the previous Sunday. And in the background, we can hear the clock start to chime the hour, but that didn't happen in the recorded phone call. So Columbo knew he wasn't in the, the owner's box. All right, that's fine. Um, so let's play this fantastic montage of Hanlon yelling at Columbo. Columbo, I'm trying to watch this game. What is that? Your wife has my sympathy. No, Columbo, you struck out. Now, will you please go find somebody else to pester? What are you talking about? Columbo, I'm going to throw you out of here on your ear. There was so much more than that, but, eh, you know, you can't include it all. So this was a decent episode. Definitely worth checking out. Um, Robert Culp is, I think, the second best Columbo villain after Jack Cassidy. Uh, of course, who's the best Columbo villain. Um, but yeah, Robert Culp, he's very good. All his episodes are really good. So this one's this one's fairly decent, totally worth checking out. Thank you for listening today. Check out the show notes for this episode or any episode on my website at ptpod.xyz. The show notes contain the links to all my sources and products that were referenced in the episode. You can write a glowing review of my podcast on iTunes or Google Play. There are handy-dandy links in the menu on my website at ptpod.xyz. And you can support me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash ptpod. Thank you.